Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Man, the Canes really could have used Yasperi Kokaniemi back in the lineup last night. But do you know who else could have? Who's that, Matt? The Montreal Canadiens. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Track and the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. That's your boy, Matt. We are back with you once again. I'm so excited to get more editing done because I haven't done enough in the last week. No, he I really like what he does, if you can, if you can tell. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, I'm hoping you guys enjoyed that uh, Best of Year 1 episode. I had a lot of fun making it, and I thought it turned out pretty nice, so hoping you guys enjoyed that. Um, We were supposed to have Scott Wheeler on tonight, so if you've come here expecting to hear Scott, uh, that has been pushed back one more week, so we are still having him on next week, but that is not happening tonight anymore. Um, We hope you won't leave just because that is the case. Um, (laughs) To To put it into context... He did recently, like within the past like week or two, move. And I was gonna say, and he has an infant at home, so like that that makes it infinitely harder. So, you know, we we made it work. We we set up a time for next week. Where she goes. Anyway, obviously we are coming at you live on the heels of two losses for the Carolina Hurricanes. Um and I'm not even sure that's happened at all this year where we you know, it's obviously a little different this time because we had the all-star break and there's only been two games since we last met. But I don't remember the last time we got together and there wasn't at least one win to talk about. So we do have a couple storylines we want to get to from those couple of games. Um, but hey, man, I mean, it's just obvious what happens when Yasperi Kokaniemi is not in the lineup. I mean, just ask Dom Ducharme. <laughs> what he wouldn't give to have had Yasperi Kokaniemi, he would still have a job right now. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh But obviously the losses of Terabyte and Inko Kaniemi were extremely evident to me, at least. Um, Yeah. In both ends of the ice, really. I mean, I'm so tired of talking about Jordan Martin playing on the top line. Like, I I really don't even want to get into it. But it just, I I barely noticed Aho or Svechnikov, which that's kind of a different reason, because in his case, you've, you know, I, I just don't think the chemistry was there with Jarvis and, and Trocek, who's been trash again after a nice stretch of hockey. He's continued to be inconsistent. He did score late. I saw that, but I turned the game off at that point. Um, they, it I was mean, really I nice. Just, like, I just thought there avoiding... was no chemistry in the top six. And when your two best players leading scorers are that, like, you know, unnoticeable, except for when Svetch is, like, making passes to the other team for goals and then pressing too hard and missing opportunities, like – 
it's going to be tough to win, even if you are a team as deep as the Hurricanes. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take. Maybe we're just going to have to live with the fact that every time an injury happens on the top line or in the top six, Jordan Martinuk is going to be the guy. I don't understand it. Again, I'm tired of talking about it, but I guess this is the world we live in. Nobody's perfect, right? Rod Brindamore included. (laughs) I'm not as doom and gloom about it. And I'm going to be honest. uh, I'm a little proud of myself. Somebody came into my mentions and I'm I'm actually going to read this tweet. I'm not going to read. I'm not going to say who. No, this is like the worst tweet of the week. Bad tweet of the week. Nate just had a breakout season last year playing with Svech and Ajo on a line. They're among the best lines in hockey, and this year, Rindamore refuses to play them. Galaxy brained. Let me finish the tweet first, because this last sentence is the thing. And yet, Brindamore refuses to play them. Galaxy brained stupidity. I don't I don't remember ever seeing a Nietzsche's Aho Sveshnikov no. line. I don't to think which, that was a thing. To which I replied, bold of you to call one of the best coaches in hockey stupid. <laughs> and I left it at that. And the guy didn't respond because he's a fucking coward who's just going to be idiotic online. If you're if you're gonna criticize Brindamore at this point, I mean. What's the team's record? We have over 30 wins. We barely have over 10 losses, I think. I think we have, I think it's 31, 10, and 3. Yeah, right? like 13 losses. The team has still won nearly a quarter or three quarters, nearly yeah. three-fourths of their games. Right. Like, the problem I have, and this has been, this has been a case the entire freaking season long, I cannot and the fact that people think this team has to be perfect. They're not going to be perfect. And yes, oh my God, Rod Brindamore is going to put Jordan Martinuk on the first line. It's going to happen. You have to realize when he puts Martinuk on the first line, it's not because he thinks Martinuk can contribute in the offensive zone every night at the level that guys like Tavo Teravainen can. He's there to create space for Natchez and Ajo. And the problem is both of those guys are primarily playmakers. So they'll look to pass it to Martinuk and there's a skill gap, right? But the thing is there's space out there for Ajo and Natchez to do their work because Martinuk's actually being physical and creating that space and, you know, drawing extra attention to him. I don't think it's necessarily as I, I know actually that it's not as big of a problem as Kane's Twitter is making it out to be. What's more of a problem to me is that a lot of your top scorers have dried up right now, even without Jordan Nook on the first line. Jordan Stahl hasn't had a goal in well over 100 days now. Yeah, it's been a long time. And, you know, again, Jordan Stahl in the 3C role is designed to play more of a defensive, you know, responsible role. My God, has he been snake bitten this year? it's making Nino Niederreiter's like 2020, 2020 or like 2019, 20 season look like, you know, nothing compared to how snake bit Jordan Stahl has been this year. And the other problem is that you've got guys like Trocek and Cole and Svetch just on a constant parade to the box. So the team can get zero momentum going at five on five. The real reason the team was down for nothing is because they kept taking penalties and they keep taking penalties in these stupid ass games when they shouldn't. The Canes were outplaying the hell out of the Maple Leafs 
and then they took three straight penalties and eventually Toronto with the best power play in the league, they're going to score on one. And yes, the officiating sucks, but it sucked that entire night for both sides. Like Ian on Mitch Marner, I think it was Mitch Marner's uh, tying goal. Ian Cole was hauled down by two Maple Leafs forwards and there wasn't a call. But at the same time, Ian Cole had also taken two penalties in that game and the Maple Leafs or the Canes had, you know, gotten away with a few things too. So yeah, I thought Brendan Smith got away with, you know, before his fight with Simmons, I thought he'd need the crap out of whoever that was. And I saw everybody on Twitter's like, well, you have to fight after a clean hit. I'm like, he kind of stuck his knee out, right. whatever you say. And then it was, it was take your battles. I didn't, I didn't was it last night or was one. it, was it last night or was it uh, against the Maple Leafs where I think it was Natchez was like cross-checking the shit out of somebody like three or four times. And there wasn't a call. I don't know, but you know, that that's what I'm saying is like, to me, the three biggest issues with the team right now, it's not top line Martinook. It's just, that's the easy way to put it. It's the penalties that the Canes are taking to erase that momentum. It's the fact that the top scorers are drying up. And it's the fact that, I mean, I'm going to be honest, the defense, that's my biggest problem is we have, you know, the third pairing has been a weakness for about a month or two now, especially with Cole constantly being in the box and us rotating between Smith and bear. Like, you know, yeah, I don't think bears ever been bad, but the problem is, you know, his mistakes get amplified by the fact that most of them go in the net. So you bring up two different points, and I definitely want to talk about both. So we'll start with the center position. Because last year, I I mean, I think there was a really good argument to be made. And I, I said this on Twitter last night, that the Hurricanes had the best center depth chart in the, in the NHL. I mean, there's definitely an argument. If not, it was at least top three. Um, obviously, nobody expected Jordan Stahl to replicate his last year. And Vincent Trocek was the Hurricanes MVP for at least the first half of the year. He was fantastic. And then this year you had Jesperi Kokaniemi. Obviously he's been out the last two games and, you know, that's been noticeable. Jordan Stahl following up his second best year offensive season of his career with on pace to be his worst. You can't really account for that, you know, expect that happening. Um, and then Trocek also, I wrote the other day in a piece, I said, the only thing consistent about Trocek's year has been inconsistency. One night he's yeah, great. I was going to say, you, you can even argue his Canes tenure. Yeah, yeah, you really can. Um, um, he, he put it together for the most part last year. but I, And this is what they said in Florida when he got traded here. It's like inconsistency is the biggest thing. You know, he had that one year where he was almost at a point a game. I think he had 75 points. And other than that, it's mostly around like 50. And it looks like he's about to hit, you know, he's, he's going to be close to that number again this year. Probably he's the point totals aren't terrible. They might be a little bit lower than you'd hope for, for a contender second line center, but you can deal with it. But, I was going to say, I think the 50 point range is pretty fair for him. Yeah. I think like so. of an expectation. Right. But I mean, like you said, the penalties, he was terrible in overtime trying try to defend. I had just made a joke about, um, and it was meant to be a joke anyway. Somebody, had, I think Tripp had actually said on the broadcast something about Jordan Stahl's been playing great tonight. He needs to be on the ice. And I was like, I don't know, man. Playing for a shootout's a bold strategy. I, I thought it was funny. And, uh, but then and you see Trochek comes out right after that and just gets burned. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I take back what I said. Put Jordan Stahl out for Christ's sake. And then they scored. And the thing is, is like, while Stahl's offensive game has 
definitely taken a dip this year. I'd argue that every other part of his game has been fine, including like, you know, the four check and board battles and stuff. Oh man. He, he does never been a good skater, but he does not look like he's moving to me, but I will say the past, like, three or four games have probably been his best of the year. No joke. He's like, played he, better. I, I would definitely. He's been really yeah, good. Absolutely. And and it is, it does really just seem like being snake bit at this point in time. Really the reason I'm saying all this, like as good as the hurricanes have been this year, if even just one of those two guys starts to click and starts to play and in Stahl's case, not at the level of last year, because it was an anomaly. Like yeah. don't get it twisted. I don't, ex- I don't need him to be that player again for this team's, you know, ceiling to explode. But if he can just start to contribute at half of what he did last year, or if Trocek can start to be what he was last year more consistently, the Hurricanes, already a great team, despite, you know, everybody wants to act like we need to trade half the roster because they lost two games, and one of them was to the Senators, who were terrible. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, this team still – they could just go to another level. And if they start to get even a modicum of that – center depth stardom that they had last year once Kokaniemi comes back and he keeps playing at the level he is hopefully I mean very few holes in the lineup except for on the defensive end unless you got anything else to add we can segue yeah I I was just gonna say like you know there's a handful of players on this team that like name the forwards who you think are being at their best this year like Aho comes to mind Svechnikov Svetch and Niederreiter, those are the yep. three that I think have been really good. Tavo's been, I mean, Tavo's always like quietly good, you know. Yeah. Like he'll he'll fly under the radar, and all of a sudden you've noticed he's got like five assists in his last four games or some shit like that. You know, like yeah, that's always been how he's played, right? I would argue that KK has been good ever since they moved him to center. Yep. You always know what you're going to get out of Martinook and Loren and Lawrence, right? Yeah, I was like, going to say Lawrence has been really good lately. He had an excellent game against the Leafs, I think. Yeah, I was going to say that that pass he made that was That pass he made was fantastic. Really nice. Stefan goal. Cuz um, great moves he talking, did in the middle lays it off for D'Angelo gets a secondary assist. It was it was very nice. I know. Um, it was one of those secondary assists that like matters. Right, right. But he was noticeable other than that too. I yeah. mean, um on the four check i just noticed him a lot he had a lot of energy probably from playing the leaves you know the team he grew up rooting for and he's talked about that on the podcast before um so i'm sure he had a little extra juice for that game but i think he's largely been really good lately um i think fast has been really good i was gonna say yeah fast is having a good year i mean the the offensive tear he was going on at the start of the season was never going to be sustainable right right, right. but but there's value I'd in say, what he brings because he can go on yeah. a little run like that, like come the postseason. Like I wouldn't be oh, yeah. surprised at all if there's a series where he like gets four goals in a, in a series, you know? You know what you're getting from him every night, and I like that. Absolutely. Very then let's, let's talk about the players stuff. who haven't been at their best this year. First player that comes to mind to me isn't Vincent Trocek. It's Martin Natchez. I never know what I'm getting from him. Yeah, inconsistency. We're talking about that with Trocek. Yeah, I think Natchez is Natchez. Just bad. There's nights where he can't even control the puck and his passes are off and it's just everything he's trying to do or he's coasting this, around the outside. He's, yeah. he's the motor issues that I hear about with guys like Dominic Bach and Noel Gundler, which, you know, we've said before, Gundler might not even be deserved, but that's what I think about or, or I see that in Natchez. And that's like, when I hear about that, that's kind of what I think about with him because there's times when he's engaged and he's mm-hmm. activating, and he wants the puck on his stick, and he's in attack mode. He's so good. 
But then you got nights where... And he can where, still pop off every once in a while, you know? Right. But then you got nights where he wants to be on the perimeter. He's not looking to attack the interior of the ice. He's coasting around with his stick at his freaking waist, which drives me nuts. I have coaches that would literally murder me with their bare hands if they saw that. Had. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just stuff like that. Like, he's not engaged. It doesn't look like to me. Yeah. And, and that, that's frustrating. And I think it frustrates Brendan Moore, too. I bet it does. Oh, and I'm also forgetting, sorry, when we're talking about best players, I obviously forgot Jarvis. Like, Jarvis has been great all year. I think Jarvis has been really good, yeah. I mean, like... a little quieter lately, but he's still been really good for a rookie. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I'm I'm willing to give him a little bit of, uh, a little bit more slack because he is only 19. And the thing is, like, with Natchez, too, I mean, he's, what, 23 now? He just turned 23, I think. Okay, sounds right. He's still very young and like just now entering the early, early stages of his prime. And hell, Svech, wait, no, he's about to turn 22, isn't he? I was going to say Svech uh, turns 20, 20, or 22 next month. I was about to say he still can't even buy a beer or a can of chaw here in North Carolina yet, but I guess that's not true. I was going to say Seth Jarvis still cannot, but well, yeah. Um, but th- that's the thing is. Natchez is still, I think, this is like his sophomore slump. I know it's his third NHL season. What did what did Svechnikov have last year? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a year delayed so, sophomore slump. So now Natchez is getting it too, I guess. Yeah, I, I think a lot of Natchez's mistakes are teachable. It's just, you know, and I'm not trying to rag on the guy. I'm just trying to say, like, think about there's there's a method to this, and I'll, I'll tie it all together at the end. But then you've got Trocek, who's also not been at his best. You've got Stahl, who hasn't been at his best, at least in the offensive zone, right? Right. So imagine if, and like you said this earlier, if even one of those three guys can get it going, the team's instantly going to be better. And then imagine this team with all three of those guys clicking at a consistent rate. It's a scary-ass team to play against even when everybody's not playing 100%. Yeah. Before we move on, Tracking the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So let's take a quick minute and get a word from DraftKings. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. You want Joe Burrow and the Bengals? You want Matt Stafford and his new super squad in L.A.? If you bet just $5, you can get 280 in free bets on either one. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat. In New York, Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK at 467-369. Brandon, I think it's time to talk about the defense, and I'm trying to avoid it, but man, I think we need to talk about it. No, it needs to be said. 
Like, obviously, I mean, and again, Brendan Smith has been fine for the most part lately. Like, yeah, he can get burned. And I think Jalen Chatfield would do just as good of a job, if not. Or Joey Keane, little... dude. Like, I, that, Joey that's, Keen my, that's my problem with it at this point. If you, I, I'm totally cool with giving Ian Cole, giving whoever a day off every once in a while. But in my opinion, there are better players that can bring more to the team than having Brendan Smith effectively turn into an everyday player. That's just well, and it's a cap. It's a cap thing, too. With, with yeah. the reason why we haven't called Joey Keen up, um, you want to save that little bit of extra money you can. I think my biggest problem is that you know, Bear has been Bear was really good at the start of the year, and then I feel like when you moved him away from Slavin, a few more of his issues especially in the defensive zone, start creeping back into his game. Naturally. Obviously, you know, that's kind of the Jacob Slavin effect, right? right. Like, you know, he, he's going to have that effect on players. I think there's probably a grand total of zero defensemen that have played with Jacob Slavin that haven't looked better than they are. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know... I don't know, has D'Angelo... <laughs> I think defensively he's looked better than he probably should. It still seems like he's good for a goal against tonight, just about. For sure, yeah. And and it's one of those things where I think, you know, you could say that about every Canes pair, except for maybe Pesci and Shea. I think that's been our best pairing, like, yeah. at least on a consistent basis. Like, Brady, let's talk Brady Shea is having a great year. Brady Shea is really, like, I've always been a defender on him. Let's just throw that out there. And I don't think I've seen anybody bitch about him like at all this year. Finally. I think early on there was still a little bit of complaints, but naturally once the player starts scoring, they stop. <laughs> right. Because points like, equals you know, good, Matt. Points, yes, equals points, good. points equals good. <laughs> um, and it's like, that's the thing with stall, right? Like we've never or we, we should never evaluate Stahl's game based on his points because he does bring a lot on the defensive side of things. But at some point, like, you know, you got to at least pot one. Yeah. And, and I think the frustrating part about it and the reason why we're all kind of memeing it is because he gets at least one decent scoring chance a night. Yeah. Maybe not always like a high danger chance, but there's at least one a night where you could have been like, man, it would have been nice if you you know buried it there and the thing is it just feels like whenever the time finally comes that he does pop one the hurricanes are probably gonna win like seven games in a row right because (laughs) because he's he's gonna go on like some ridiculous like seven he's gonna go on like a brock mcginn level like seven game scoring streak (laughs) and then and then not score for another month after that like, I don't know. I don't know if I would go a seven game winning streak, but or, or I'm just saying, streak, but, but I, I'd know. say he'll get a couple, but I think just finally seeing him get that weight off his shoulders. Cause I mean, you can see it on his face every time he gets those chances you're talking about. It, yeah. it, it, it breaks my heart. It really does. Cause I'm like, God, I, I mean, I love the guy. Cause you really want to see one of those stall sellies. That too. <laughs> you know, I just yeah. Right. Just the, the wide mouth. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, <laughs> he's got like his arms down at his side and he's just like right <laughs> all he needs to do is just skate down you know those stall wristers from the top of the circles both from he and eric 
those are lethal. <laughs> and you get inside those circles, bro. It's D'Angelo scored scored one of those goals against Toronto, and I was like, that is a patented stall wrister right there. And he shoots it, you know, stick side from the top of the circles, and it goes in. Stahl did it against the Caps in 2019. Uh, Eric did it against the the Devils, I think, to win the game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. In 2009. But it's like, you could make a highlight reel of the Stahl brothers just shooting and scoring from that (laughs) angle. Blocker side, low, far side, yeah. Exactly. And it would, you'd, you'd have at least enough to make like a five to 10 minute highlight depending (laughs) on how long, like, you know, he just needs to do that. Right. And it's easy for us, especially to sit here and just say, well, you know, why aren't these players doing this? Like hockey's a very nuanced game. And even from somebody that doesn't play the game, like I can tell there's so much that goes into every single shift. And when the again with the penalties and stuff, Rod Brindamore's team plays a very aggressive style, and aggressive teams are going to take more penalties because you know it's an all-out attack. But at the same time, you know, I think what NHL fans want is, I mean, some some folks I'm sure just want their team to get all the calls, but we just want to see the game called consistently. And in McCain's case, it very much is not. But it is what it is. It's not the reason the Canes have lost two games in a row now, or three, or however, however many it is. Just to get back to the defense and wrap that up real quick. I'm still a proponent. It's, it's a big ask to get a right defenseman number one. Like a, a top pairing right-handed defenseman. Like that's not going to come cheap whatsoever. I get that. But I think the hurricane ceiling is with that player. Putting D'Angelo down, further down the lineup, so he's not being asked to defend top lines with Jacob Slavin every single game at five on five. Like, let him focus on what he does best, which is creating offense, moving the puck in transition, producing points. And again, I don't know where it's going to come from. It's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to cost a lot in prospect or whatever trade capital. But I think that's the best path to a Stanley cup right now, which is what the hurricane should be going for. In my opinion. Um, is adding a top right-handed defenseman? Yeah, I think so. Who's the top right-handed defenseman you had in mind? <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. I was going to say, cause the, the only, the top defenseman on the market is Jacob Chikrin and he's a lefty. Right. Well, can he play his offside? Cause I would be do- totally down for that. Honestly, can Slayton? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Slavin's probably fine on his other side, but I don't really want him to do that. Yeah. A Chikrin Slavin pairing would be a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> like um, a lot of fun. <laughs> even like a Chikrin D'Angelo pairing, I feel like would be kind of funny. Yeah. John Klingberg is the only, like, the top right handed defenseman on the market. And he, he he's basically just worse D'Angelo. I don't think he's worse than D'Angelo. Defensively, absolutely. And especially with the fact that he's so just down bad right now with Dallas. Like, well, that's the thing. It's like, do you think he's going to get a boost coming here? 
like being on a Stanley Cup contender, getting out of Dallas, which is what he wants. Like, let me let me put it this way: it takes players a long time to adjust to the Canes. Just period. That's true. Now throw in like adding a completely just burnt out and demoralized player. Yeah, and like I don't know. There's very few systems that are as polar opposite as the hurricanes and the stars yeah yeah, i mean no we'll definitely jump into like guys we actually want to target and we are still really far from the trade deadline honestly like i'm sure waddell and company are busy figuring out what's out there and whatnot but no need for urgency just yet there's still almost two months before the trade deadline actually gets here so We'll have plenty of time. We'll have, probably have at least one episode just fully dedicated to the trade deadline where we, you know, give our thoughts on who's available, who we would like to see in Carolina and so on and so yeah. forth. But for tonight, we'll spare you that. All right. Um, uh, I guess just one thing that just popped up on my feed right here real quick while we're recording. Friedman's reporting that um, Hockey Hall of Famer Cami Granato is joining the Canucks office uh, as an assistant GM. Nice. That's so really good that, and well-deserved. That's really cool. Um, what's interesting is she was a pro scout for the Kraken. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I thought I've heard her name in a front office role somewhere. So yeah, yeah, so Seattle's losing one of their pro scouts less than a year into being a franchise. Interesting. Anyways, Brandon... I have an absolute banger of an armchair GM this week to share with you. Yeah. You actually sent it to me and I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> like it was one that I, I saw and immediately I was like, we have to talk about this this week. So, so <laughs> the team explanation for this one is I'm bored and tired. So first, it has the Carolina Hurricanes trading with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Carolina Hurricanes receive forward Andre Kasha, and Toronto receives Ethan Bear. Former future Carolina Hurricane Andre Kasha. I know. Remember when he was, like, really good with Anaheim, and we were like, yeah, Justin. bad, dude. Well, it was like there was a rumor that it was going to be Falk for Kasha plus. And... Kashev has been bad ever since he left the Ducks. Yeah. Like, quite frankly, he's been a detriment. And I I don't know who he was playing with over there, but they must have been boosting him hard. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, I think he's playing, like, what, a fourth-line role in Toronto right now? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's all I need to say about this trip. The first trade. So we've got a trade, another trade here <laughs> between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Ottawa Senators. The Carolina Hurricanes are trading defenseman Ian Cole, prospects Ryan Suzuki and Jack Drury, a second round pick in the 2023 draft, and a third round pick in this upcoming draft. And you're probably like, man, are they trading for like Thomas Shabbat or like Brady Kachuk <laughs> or something like that? No, we are trading for Artem Zub. <laughs> and you might be asking yourself, okay, and 
Look, no, no, that's that's it. That's it. <laughs> All right, there, so there's that's it. Your trade is pretty two good. Two top prospects, two picks, and an NHL defenseman. A veteran NHL defenseman that's won two Stanley Cups and is like a pretty stable presence. So you're swapping a third pairing defenseman for a guy that's going to be a, an upgrade on your third pair, arguably. <laughs> But you're trading your two top prospects in order to do it. Right, Zub is good. Two picks. Like, I'll throw that out there. Zub is a good defenseman. Sure. But, but he's not Ian just... Cole, two top prospects and two picks. Good. Right. Like, he's basically a better version of Cole, like you said. <laughs> I don't that's know. not a great offer, but that's an offer I'd make for Jacob Chikrin. Yeah. Like... And who would I rather have, Artem Zub or Jacob Chikrin? Um, I got to think about it, but. <laughs> right. All right. Well, so, last leg. Go ahead. The next trade is between the Carolina Hurricanes and Seattle Kraken. These are, and keep in mind, these are all like one. Like this, this is, is this person's trade this deadline. Is one, this is one trade deadline for one cat-friendly armchair GM mode. The Carolina Hurricanes receive Carson Soucy. So Why I mean, do people want us to get Carson Soucy so bad? I and mean, this is the second time we've had we've had a trade for Zub and Soucy in like the worst trades of the week. And I'm I'm sorry to the other person, but that that one that one wasn't nearly as bad as uh, this one is. I'm sorry. So this one involves us trading Vasily Ponomaryov. Peter Kachikov and Dominic Bach for Carson Susie. I don't think I'd trade Ponomarev or Kachikov for Susie. I don't think I'd trade any of those three for Carson Susie. They can have Bach. <laughs> I was going to say Bach and like, you know, a late pick, maybe. But like, I don't know if Carson Su- Carson Susie is probably not better than Ian Cole or Ethan Bear. I love he's better than Brendan Smith. <laughs> well, yeah, but if you if you're trading for a marginal upgrade over a seventh defenseman and giving up anything more than a late round pick, uh, your your GM should be fired on the spot. Yeah, well, that's let's keep that part in mind. Like when these people make these fake trades for the Hurricanes, like do you know how often the Hurricanes fleece people? <laughs> so the Canes are getting Andre Kasha, Artem Zub, and Carson Soucy, and it's costing them their pipeline. Two, it's costing them their entire third pair. And granted, Zub and Soucy, probably a better third pair than Bear and Cole. But then you're trading Suzuki, Drury, a second, a third, Panamarov. You're gutting Kasha, your farm Kasha, system. And Bach. Yeah. For that small upgrade, and then Andre Kasha, who's probably at best a fourth line player or thirteenth forward on this team. I, I sent this to people and said, "Don't do drugs." I hate this so much. Oh <laughs> <sighs> uh, yes. Well, we love that. Do you have a prospect of the week? I I did. Um, let me find it real quick. Actually, you know what? Prospect of the week is Alexander Nikishin because first pairing on the Russian Olympic team just made his NHL, or not NHL, that's a pipe dream right now, his <laughs> Olympic debut uh, early in the morning when we were recording this. Like, I did not stay up to watch. I've only watched uh, 
like his first three shifts at the Olympics so far, but shout outs to him. That's a, that's an awesome achievement. Um, other guys that had good performances this week. I know um, Justin Robida had, I think two goals um, recently. Uh, Dom Fensori had a, I think two primary assist night on Monday night against Harvard, one of the better teams in the nation. And Boston University is nine and one since Ottawa first round pick Tyler Boucher left. <laughs> and I, I made a joke about this. Um, and you guys, you guys will see it in my article later this week for Kane's country. Uh, Dom Fensori could have like at least five or six more assists. If Tyler Boucher could even like come remotely close to finishing his chances. <laughs> Because there were a lot of nights when Tyler Boucher wouldn't have been able to score on a soccer goal. Didn't the uh, didn't the Senators take him like tenth? I was gonna say he was like a tenth overall pick. Oh, there were some scouts that were like, I mean, I could reasonably see him, you know, at the end of the first, just because you, you know, he's a big physical player big. with offensive upside, but you know. He also didn't play, so you know he's still a bit of a risk. And then there are some people that were like, "I didn't have him ranked till like the fourth round." <laughs> but at the same time, though, people were clowning on the Canes for drafting Ito Listerine and in the second round back in 2017. Now he's like a pretty good third line player. So people here, the Blue Jackets for quick. taking Chinikov, like people didn't have him ranked at all or had him ranked like in the seventh round, and now he's in the NHL scoring goals. So there you go. Yeah, he, I mean, he, he has eight points in 35 games this year and probably wouldn't have made the Blue Jackets if they were better. But, you know, still, he's probably going to be an NHL player. I think the only team player we can clown on for an NHL team drafting him that early is the Devils taking Shakir Muhammad, <laughs> who is just an absolutely useless player. He's, and the thing is, he's going to play NHL games because he can skate and he's a big body and that can hard. shoot the puck. Yeah, I was going to say he can shoot the puck. But my man does not know what to do with the puck when it touches his stick yeah. other than shoot. Maybe and if you give him sense. the puck anywhere past the offensive blue line, you're screwed. All right. And for our last of our segments for this week, we don't, I mean, it's not really a tweet of the week per se. But for this segment, I do have a Twitter account of the week that I figured would fill in nicely and, you know, fits in the same vein uh, of what we're trying to do here. Um, and being that we are huge fans of Editor and Leaf, the fan-sided account for the Toronto Maple Leafs, that is just great content on its own because they constantly have the worst takes I've ever seen. This week's Twitter account of the week, tweet of the week, whatever you want to call it, is a new account I stumbled across called Editor in Hab. <laughs> so what it is, it's basically a just it's just a complete ripoff of Editor and Leaf. And they I, I one of them popped up and was doing really well the other day because I mean they pretty much verbatim took something Editor and Leaf said and made it, you know, about the Canadians, and it was just really funny. So well, here, I'll read the tweets. Can we, while Brandon's pulling that up, can we talk about the ratio that was the cardiac cane poll? When oh, they asked, yeah, like, was... in game seven, who would you rather have of the Stanley Cup finals, Ned or Anderson? And like 97% of the people <laughs> voted for Anderson. And, that was... and there were a couple comments that literally were like, ah, Anderson's the right choice. I put, I tried to press Anderson and hit Ned, <laughs> and I'm like, 
like and the thing is like Ned was a good goalie but Anderson and Trip Trip nailed it on the broadcast against Toronto. Anderson wasn't the problem in Toronto. Yeah, no, for sure. Their defense. Yeah. I mean, my stepbrother who I played golf with today is a huge Leafs fan and he was literally just talking about that. He's like, "Wow, it's crazy what Anderson does when he has a real defense in front of him." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And not Justin Hall. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> What editor and Leaf said on February 8th, so yesterday when we're recording this, what it says is the Toronto Maple Leafs would be the talk of the NHL if they were any other team. That's right. Nobody ever talks about the Leafs. They are the NHL's best team, and a couple fluky playoff results hold way too much weight with people. That's what you get regularly if you follow editor and Leaf. I mean, it's just – anyway – but who's going to think of the poor maple yeah, leaves? Yeah, how does this affect the poor leaves? Anyway, so editor in Hab came back on February 8th and said the Montreal Canadiens would be the talk of the NHL if they were any other team. They are the NHL's unluckiest team and a couple fluky losing streaks hold way too much weight with people. And I just found that to be very, very funny. So there you go. There's your tweet of the week. Editor in Hab, pretty funny little... uh I mean, I don't even know if you can call it like a spoof account because they've tweeted three times ever. Yeah, it's a spoof Looks account. Like. <laughs> and they've had their account since December 2020. So over a year and they've got three tweets. So maybe they just yeah. deleted them all. I don't know. But uh, that's, yeah, it's good, bro. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Oh, man. Uh, fan sided. You know what? There are some really good fan sided sites. Editor and Leaf is not one of them. <laughs> Yeah, editor and leave is not good. It's great for content. I will say that. Oh, that maybe also shout out to um I can't remember her name, but the chick from Marley Drug that is now in Ozark. Oh, I don't know if you saw that, but yeah. Chick from uh legendary. That's a that's a big career step, I will say, because uh well, obviously, the creators of Ozark, huge Kaniacs, right? Um, saw her. They, and said, they Get thought her they on needed the a little Marley drug. Get her on the phone. We have to have her. <laughs> they felt like they needed a little more Marley drug in their life. <laughs> Ozark, huge Kaniacs. Oh man, this has been our best like just closing segment in a while. I haven't <laughs> stopped laughing. Like my my cheeks hurt from smiling and laughing. That's good. Um, but Brandon, I think that's gonna do it with this week. What What do you think? Oh yeah, I'm tired, dude. <laughs> it was a good pod. You know, we we will obviously have more content next week with Scott Wheeler coming on to talk about his Canes prospect rankings, and you know, yeah, that's a good point. And you know what? I, I will say this: we've come a long way considering tonight. We literally had nothing to talk about. We were, we we were planning on having a guest. We had all this stuff planned, and you know, we literally winged this entire episode. And I think it turned out fine. Uh, we didn't Look at us. It. Pat I told you what we would talk bag. about. I told huh? you what we would talk about. Shut up. Okay. Messing it up. Yes, sir. <laughs> Shut up, Matt. That's understandable. It's trying to make it- but no, so it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, check out the best of year one episode if you haven't already. A lot of really good interview moments. You get to hear Ryan Suzuki roast Stephen Lawrence's cooking. You get to hear all of us ro- roasting Alex for not understanding the meme for Seth Jarvis and so many more classic tracking the storm podcast moments. 
Folks, we're starting season two off with a bang. And as always, it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.